What's going on, everybody? We're so pumped to have you back. And with us today, special guest Dan Wino of Ether Diamonds. They have an absolutely compelling story with what they're doing with atmospheric CO2 right now and the products they are created. Dan, we're super excited to have you. And for all of the audience watching, they kicked us out of the podcast room because we are a distraction to people that actually do real work. So they put us back in the boiler room. New backdrop today. No, that's actually, I'm not sure who they are, but yeah, they kicked us out. This is our podcast, baby. No, they, they, they said that viewership has been so great. They're building out a brand new studio for us. We're going to have people coming to visit. But today in the boiler room, Dan, super excited to have you. Uh, we would love to hear a little bit about yourself, who you are with Ether and what y'all are accomplishing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Dan Wino, co-founder and COO here at Ether. Um, my background is mechanical engineering, but, uh, of all things, I tripped and fell into the jewelry industry about a decade ago, uh, working for David Yerman here in New York. Uh, that's where I met my co-founder, Ryan Shearman. Um, you know, jewelry ended up taking me around the world, moved over to Thailand and ran operations for them there, worked in the jewelry factories, uh, ended up moving over to Pandora, worked in their factory just out of Bang outside of Bangkok there, um, before moving to Copenhagen with them and now back to New York. Um, but about uh, five years ago, uh, reconnected with Ryan. He was wrapping up his first venture-backed company, and um, we were just talking about different business ideas. Started out, you know, around the engagement ring space. You know, is there a way to do that better? He was talking a lot about lab-grown diamonds, and at the same time, was also talking about um, you know the climate crisis. And he was reading a book called Drawdown about different solutions to our climate crisis. And one of the last chapters in that book is about direct air capture technology. And so, you know, in talking about diamonds and lab-grown diamonds and carbon capture, because those things make sense in the same conversation, right? Um, you know, we said, look, diamonds are just crystalline carbon. Could you take this harmful and abundant form of carbon in our atmosphere and turn that into a beautiful and rare form in that of a diamond? Because if you could do that, that would be an incredible story. And uh, we said that sounds impossible, and we kind of went away, but we couldn't shake the idea. Uh, and so we realized we had to lean in and, and figure it out. And so, um, you know, we started doing just that. And over the last five years, we built our patented process to connect direct air capture technology or point source carbon capture technology with um, CVD diamond growth. Oh, that's that's outstanding. It's a great segue into. So really what we're trying to do is is kind of a, we're, the next few episodes are really a, a series of constructive and innovative uses of CO2. So, you know, we, we talk about you know, sequestration and things like that all the time. And what we're you know, that that's great. But I don't think and we're, we're all supportive of sequestration to a point. But um, and I, I, I'm not familiar with that specific book that you're talking about. But uh, what was it called again? Drawdown. Project. So, you know, certainly we're trying to get to, you know, re reduce, you know, 50 megatons of CO2 from the atmosphere and, and direct air capture is one component of that because no matter what we stop producing, we still have an abundance that's not going away. But, uh, you know, we need more than just sequestering the CO2. We need new ideas, new uses, you know, and aviation fuels and, and e-fuels and other things like that are, are great ideas and they're, you know, they're coming online. Uh, they replace fossil fuels. You're actually doing something that's taking that, and uh, you know, I'm sure, I assume, in that process, you're sequestering that carbon into that stone, into that diamond by the end of the process. Is that is that accurate? 
That's exactly right. Uh, every atom of carbon in the diamonds that we make was recently in the atmosphere warming our planet. Um, you know, so there's not a lot of carbon actually sequestered in a diamond, right? But uh, for us, it is about the storytelling aspect. It's about showing people what's possible and inspiring them, right? You know, I, I love sustainable aviation fuels. I love the idea about putting CO2 into cement. But for most people, that doesn't get them out of bed in the morning. And so if you can put a diamond in front of them and say, this was made from captured carbon, it gets them thinking and wanting to learn more. And that's kind of the first step that we really need is to show people what's possible and get them moving on this journey. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, as you noted, the sequestering into the diamond, it may not take a ton of CO2, but in prior conversations with you, Dan, sounds like that's not the end of this idea. In fact, you do believe that what you and Ryan are doing could evolve into something that would repurpose thousands of tons of CO2 a year. Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, it, the way we look at this is exactly the way that you guys were just framing it. Think about it this way. If we get to a point where renewables are everywhere, we figured out fusion, our energy grid is totally carbon free. We're still drilling for oil because everything around us is made from petrochemicals. So we need to come up with other ways to remove petrochemicals from that process. And um, we believe that we're a solution to do that. Right? Diamonds were a great place for us to start because that was our background in jewelry. We knew how to do that. Um, it's also great because it doesn't require that many tons of CO2 um, to do. Um, and so it allows us to prove out our, our methanation technology and, and that process of doing it. Um, but in proving out that technology, we realized there's so many other applications that we could use our methane. So, you know, for CVD, chemical vapor deposition, lab-grown diamonds, they typically use fossil methane. Uh, and so we're just, we, we developed a plug-and-play solution, you know, to tell the direct air capture story with a CVD diamond. Now, there are other people taking fossil old methane, natural gas, um, and developing technologies to crack that into carbon black, into graphene, um, combining it with CO2 and creating graphite, uh, PHA plastics, all of these things. And that's kind of where we see our future as we scale our methanation technology up is we want to remove the petrochemicals from that process and make tons and tons and tons of product that sequesters carbon in a useful way. And I would imagine for all of what you've just discussed, you don't need to use atmospheric direct air captured CO2. It makes a ton of sense with the diamond, tells the story, but we could look to alternative um, CO2 sources when we talk about mass production of products. You're absolutely right. And that's where, you know, we're talking to a lot of corporate venture um, investors because there are steel mills and all sorts of companies that are capturing millions of tons of CO2 every year. Um, and especially for industrial products, look, we, like, we need to decarbonize. And so if we're pulling it directly out of the air or uh, out of the tailpipe, you know, it doesn't really matter until everywhere is decarbonized. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's all useful. Yeah, it seems like a great tie-in, especially with the methane aspect of it. But uh, the the anaerobic digestion, you know, some we kind of broadly call that biogas, but it's really an anaerobic digestive processes. I mean, you've already got the methane there, you got your CO2 there. You know, that's a great outlet for those because, like you said, no matter what we do, we can decarbonize everything and no power. 
you know, if we still have farm waste and water waste or, or um, uh, you know, if we produce ethanol for some reason and all of that or anything like that, you're still going to have that methane release that, uh, you know, you need, we need to clean up and, and, and then we'll also have the CO2. So that's a, a great outlet for those for your products in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is interesting to think about the anaerobic digestion aspect. That's definitely for diamonds. It's a, it's like one of the ways that we kind of thought about it at the beginning is like, how could we approach this? Um, you know, at the end of the day for diamond, at least there's a lot of toxic things to the diamond growing process that are difficult to filter out of that type of methane. Uh, and also, you know, uh, diamonds from cow crap isn't as quite as romantic as, uh, you know, diamonds from Paris or New York, right, let's say. But uh, look, absolutely, that sort of methane can be plugged into some of these processes as well. Um, however, we do think that as we scale and, you know, have a higher purity product, that'll allow for um, more applications to more easily use us. Interesting. Real rags to riches story. Absolutely. No, so, you know, um, <laughs> Yeah, one of the problems, you know, issues, concerns with with direct air capture, obviously, is the cost. Now, it sounds like in the diamond process, and we all know, you know, diamonds are, you know, maybe high margin products. I'm not sure. I uh, fairly feel like there's a pretty high markup on those. But, uh, you know, so that that seems like you can capture, you know, you can you know, recover a lot of that extra cost. But when you talk about carbon black or any of these other processes, you know, what obstacles are you seeing? Uh, in your sourcing of the CO2 at the higher cost? Uh, are there are there outlets for some of that cost in 45Q or tax uh, tax incentives, things like that? Are you Where are you finding yourself in the market price of, for, for those types of products? You know, if I'm honest, like that's something that we're just starting to, to dip our toes into, right? Like it's our next step and it's a near next step, but we're not quite there yet. So we're definitely investigating it. I mean, the tax credits, um, carbon credits, uh, all of that is a really interesting arena that we can play in, but it's pretty complicated, if I'm honest. There's a lot to figure out what applies, how does it apply, who actually gets it, you know, because if you're taking CO2 from a direct air capture or, uh, you know, point source capture plant, maybe they want the carbon credits. And so who gets it? There's a lot of uh, different aspects to actually figure out there in terms of that. Um, but then, you know, as we scale, I mean, as for lots of things in this renewable future, I mean, the price of hydrogen will be a big uh, driver and all of that, uh, you know, getting that cost down will just make us more cost competitive. Um, and so, you know, that's why we want to look to, okay, what is the next highest uh, kind of value per weight item that we can produce? Um, and then the next and the next, and then hopefully by the time we're to the lowest margin products we've uh, achieved scale and efficiencies that allow us to achieve it yeah. yeah so with so many people and jeff and i have had plenty of conversations dipping their toes into the direct air capture what has been the biggest obstacle i mean you need pure co2 is it sourcing co2 that meets the quality specification that you need that you know is rate of nitrogen and oxygen and you're able to actually utilize what are your barriers right now in sourcing CO2 to enable you to create product? Yeah, for, like, for the diamond side with direct air capture, um, there are lots of companies that are out there that are early stage. You know, everybody's about to have a pilot. And so I think we'll be in a really interesting spot with direct air capture technology in the next year or two with people really starting to be able to deploy 
units that have you know 50 100 300 tons per year capacity uh, but today there's not a lot of people who can do it even at a scale that's small that we would be able to use uh, and then you're exactly right purity for applications like ours i mean you need ideally food grade co2 um, and there aren't as many people that are doing that because it is difficult or energy intensive you know i think that's where a lot of people give tomco a call um you know and say hey how can we do the liquefaction to get the the purity up um you know as much as it's not it, it's a use but it's not sequestering i mean for for different food applications it is at least a way to to subsidize business with direct air capture right um being selling units to people who use it in food uh so i think there's definitely applications where having that high purity is uh is a benefit uh, but also if if the direct air capture company's first step is we just want to sequester underground, then purity to them doesn't matter as much. So, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. It's uh, there's so much um, fuzziness, for lack of a better word, as to you know who actually gets the tax credit. If you know, it's really you don't get the tax credit till it's sequestered, and right now sequestered is pretty well defined as underground in a geological storage. But what you're doing is sequestration. And I know there's still a whole lot of talk within Congress, within the Treasury Department about defining those. So so where where are you at from a commercialization of your product? Are you are you fully commercialized now? I mean, like I said, it's got a great story behind it. Uh, how's that translating into the marketplace and, and how's how's business going? Absolutely. Business is going well. Uh, we launched our brand in December 2020 uh, as a direct consumer brand. Right. We had one diamond reactor going, so that was only enough to support, uh, you know, telling our story through our own jewelry. Um, but at this point, we've we've been able to scale up our process and we've finished our own methanation plant um, that can support quite a few diamond reactors worth of, of growing. And so we, uh, we we started to lean in on the wholesale side of things to sell our diamonds to retailers around the U.S. and around the globe. Um and uh, yeah, it's it's going well, and we're we're excited to, to kind of really see it out there. How long does it take to grow a diamond? Depends on the size, because that's like the height. So the two things that the two things that dictate the size of the diamond when you grow it in a CVD reactor: the size of the seed. Because at the bottom of the chamber, you put all these thin wafers of diamond called diamond seeds, um, and then um, how tall you grow, and tall and height is time. So anywhere from three weeks to two months depending on how how big you want to go and in a batch you know it could be i don't know one really really big diamond or you know a hundred very small ones so oh, you, you you don't have total control over that i mean it's kind of just oh it depends on how many seeds you put in there right and what size they are and all that so at the end of the day i mean i mean i guess right now you got lab diamonds and you have natural diamonds now you have you know this this category as well. I mean, are they indistinguishable at the end of the day? To a to a yes, absolutely. To you and I, to your jeweler down the street. I mean, in, in, unless they have a, a specialized tool that costs you know eight or ten thousand dollars on site, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna know. Um, you know, you can take it to a gem grading house like you know IGI, and you know they can absolutely tell. There's certain crystal structures and things that only form. If it's uh, formed underground versus, uh, you know, lab grown. So you can tell, but at the end of the day, it's 100% crystalline carbon, just like what comes out of the ground. The only difference is where it comes from. Right. Yeah, it's a total sidebar on all of this. But, you know, especially when we talk about things, you know, like our, 
our fuels or, or products being made. We talk about a CI score, your carbon intensity score. And it's kind of the whole like, you know, it's like a, a, an electric vehicle that sounds great because it has no emissions, but you forgot about all the things that went into the process to to get that battery made, the lithium and the, the production of the car and all that. So it's not 100% green. The the at the point of use it might be, but everything else about it is. And, and oh, by the way, you have to charge it off of a non-green electric grid, things like that. Is part of your story in this the lack of mining, the lack of need to mine those those natural diamonds as well? The ethics have to be <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, and, you know, while standard lab grown diamonds are absolutely a step in the right direction, even though they're grown above ground, their carbon still comes from underground, right? From fracking and drilling for oil. Um, so, you know, that's where we come in to really offer a truly sustainable uh, alternative. Um, you know, and I think that's pretty exciting. How did you go to the jewelry industry, David Yerman? And then how did your buddy go venture backed? David Yerman. So yeah, he, he exited. Yeah, he was from Yerman. He was just a friend of his from Yerman. Well, yeah, and that guy that. clearly spun off and did something. He yeah. just wrapped up. Yeah, he head. he left and he left the jewelry industry and went into uh, power sports. So uh, <laughs> it's a circuitous route, but uh, he ended up wanting to build an Iron Man helmet. He's like, Iron Man can uh, can dodge missiles. Why can't I dodge a, a damn car on the FDR? And uh, and he's like, I need to build that for motorcycles. And they end up selling, you know, a handful of them to big OEMs like Honda and things like that. Um, and, uh, but then they spun off, they did connected power sports tech. So, you know, they, they had a, uh, you know, an action sports camera with a little black box action. They had a rangeless, uh, you know, yeah, rangeless Bluetooth headset, um, you know, and an app for ride tracking and all this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, he was exiting that and then looking for what was next. And he and I met while working at David Yerman. Um, and I was, I'd moved from David Yerman to then Pandora and we were, I uh, got to talking. But uh, the way we both ended up at David Yerman was Craigslist of all places. The wow. story is <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they were was a posting for an engineer with experience with small castings. I was like, hey, I'd done that before. I'd worked for an automotive lock and latch company. Could do that. And then it turned out to be David German. So, wow. <laughs> well, I guess my last big question around the CO2 is we're so fo focused on sequestration. And let's go. I, I, we, we know you're sequestering. <laughs> Dials back and can you make it in some water? Is it, I, have, uh, I just got to see. Let's show that. Oh, that's uh, natural. It's a natural <laughs> spring CO2. So, um, you know, I would classify this as alternative use. I know it's, it's a sequestration event, but the focus is alternative use for us because everybody in Congress, and I don't know if it's been out of touch, is we're going to sequester into geological domes. And that's great. But with all of the new uses for CO2 coming, the things you've talked about outside of diamonds are going to need CO2 and we need to commercialize it to a usable grade. If I'm a DAC company, like you said, I don't really care as long as I can put it underground in a well, but that's not really solving the problem. And so, you know, I would imagine you're kind of in the camp of lobbying for more focus on the alternative use and kind of putting parameters, putting guardrails around what we need to incentivize people to kind of ask first, how do I get this to a usable product and not how do I bury it underground? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it is our stance that if we rely solely on the selling of carbon credits and 
you know, getting tax credits and things, we're never going to get there fast enough. We have to make products that utilize this carbon in a desirable way that can make money so that the markets can drive it. And, you know, if I can produce industrial products at a similar price to what's out there today and people buy them, that's going to drive the carbon capture industry. And that's what's going to help us get out of this. Yeah, it kind of brings up a good question. I mean, you, you partially answered it by saying you're not relying on these, but you know, what what are you doing or do you do? Are you part of a trade group or or other other group that that's kind of um you know lobbying for you know these these tax credits? You know, who who's kind of speaking in, in your box, you know, for you kind of you know advocating for the the 45Q or or whatever else it is to, for what you're doing? I mean, we are absolutely part of a number of different uh, carbon capture coalitions, the DAC coalition, things like that. But I do think that this is there's an opportunity and a, and, a, and a blank space here. There's not a unifying body that's really doing a lot of lobbying uh, for carbon capture and alternative use and things like this, right? Like, there's just not the money and the people doing that like there is from the oil and gas side. Because let's face it, like the for, like all those oil and gas guys get the 45Q tax credits. And so, yeah, they're lobbying for it. There's a lot of money behind that. Um, but, you know, most of the people in DAC right now are startups and, uh, you know, nascent companies. And so there just isn't as much of a unifying force or as much money behind it lobbying for that. And I think that's going to be necessary for this to really succeed. So but two last questions. Um, diamonds are great, but, you know, the, the higher volume might be in some of the other gems. Is there... Is there, you know, correlation between is there lab grown sapphires or things like that? And I don't know the variance between all these different rocks, but it's my birthstone. Yeah. Thank you. That, well, you knew. He <laughs> thought happy, really, it's big happy heart birthday. Jeff. Oh, happy birthday. That is what they call <laughs> big heart Jeff. You know, I uh, there are, absolutely are other lab grown gemstones, uh, but things like sapphire. Sapphire is um, is not carbon. It is uh, is aluminum oxide, I believe. Uh, so, you know, there absolutely are other types of lab-grown stones, but uh, diamond is the only one that is crystalline carbon. So that's where we focused our energy. The last one for me is a real simple one. So, I mean, I'm, I'm asking for a friend, but uh, uh, any discounts from David Yerman? Is there possibilities there? Anything? <laughs> if, you're still, if I was still working there, uh, maybe. Oh, but uh, I think I know a guy who can get you some diamonds and diamond jewelry for a good price. So uh, give me a call. I get my grills fitted. So, please, where are you wearing diamonds? Please do it. <laughs> the pinky ring. He's, he's got a. He's he's got a belly I, I am Sicilian. You know, a little little uh, soprano <laughs> pinky ring action. No, you're not. Hate it all. <laughs> Super yeah, compelling. Yeah. And I mean, I'm glad that we got to be a part of telling the story today as you focus on storytelling. Uh, appreciative for your efforts and really excited to see where you guys go. Don't be a stranger. Reach out to us. I mean, we want to start kind of pulling together. Um, you know other stakeholders that do need a path forward. And so we're, we're glad to have you on and thank you so yeah. much for the time. Well, and, uh, you know, close us out. Uh, where, where can we, where can we find you? Where can we find your products? Where's Jeff getting his discounted diamond? Where am I getting my discount? I was kind of going. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, right now you can find us at etherdiamonds.com, A-E-T-H-E-R, diamonds, plural. Um, our, right now our website still has our direct consumer kind of jewelry line, but we'll be phasing that out as we focus on, uh, on wholesale. Uh, but uh, we will always make a custom engagement ring or a piece of jewelry. Just uh, hit us up uh, on the website. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for all your insights. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks. Awesome. Dan. Take care, guys.